today we're here at Outreach Team Family Services office. I'm Amelia. And I'm Sarah. We are here today with Mr. Jason Haberman, the new Mount Lebanon Police Chief. Thanks for coming. Today we'll be discussing what it's like for Mr. Haberman to be the new police chief. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So now we are going to do the fast five icebreaker questions. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm as ready as I'll ever be. All right. Where did you grow up? Scott Township. Oh, I work there. I work at Scott Pool. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I graduated from Chartier Valley. So. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I'm a local guy. Yeah. Okay. And why did you want to become a police officer? I uh, really as young, I mean, as long as I can remember, I've always wanted to be a police officer. Um, I had, you know, I can, my earliest mem earliest memory of it is, um, you know, there used to be the Dr. Seuss books. You would fill out, you know, what you want to be. And so I still have mine probably from when I was eight years old, written in the front of police officer. So it's really never wavered from my uh, desire to be a police officer from a very, very young age. So. Uh, it's always been there, and it's sort of always been something that I've been drawn to, and, and uh, you know, it's been a great career for me. Right. Do you like dogs? I'm sorry? Do you like dogs? I do. You do I like do. dogs? Okay. Do you like dogs? <laughs> I like dogs. I like dogs. I right. prefer cats, though. Mm, I prefer dogs. Coke or Pepsi? Uh, Coke, for sure. Yeah, Coke. Yeah. You definitely like Pepsi, don't you? Um, actually, well, if I, I would choose neither, but if I have to choose Coke. Okay. What is your favorite color? Favorite color? Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, probably something earthy, like green or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I like green. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We would like to thank St. Clair Health for being our annual sponsor. At St. Clair Health, we're always improving, building on our commitment to face the challenges of today, making an impact on the communities we serve so we can be stronger together. St. Clair Health, expert care from people who care. So to start us off, I think we've all had a subconscious fear of police officers. We've all been in situations where maybe we've been going a little fast on roads and seen a police car. There's always a lot that, that goes into being a police officer, though. Their, man, their, their main focus is public safety. Mr. Haberman, I can only imagine the things that you and other police officers have gone through or seen while on duty. I know police officers are usually the first ones on scene when an incident occurs. Do you think these incidents can take a toll on officers? Oh, absolutely. You know, we've become more and more aware of mental health of police officers over the last few years. It's really been a big initiative of mine personally uh, as a police chief and really as a police supervisor for the last number of years. So what we've learned is that does, in fact, take a toll. You know, we sort of relay it as it's sort of the analogy of death by a thousand cuts. And so what happens is you have police officers that go through a 20-year career and they see one tragedy here, uh, one unfortunate incident here, and it sort of all builds and adds up. And so what we've learned is really police officers have the same um, issues from trauma that others do. And so, you know, there was never really a focus or an emphasis to um, diffuse that trauma and address that trauma for a long, long time. And so what we're very happy about at the police department is that, and in, in law enforcement in general, that we're addressing those issues. We're addressing PTSD. We're addressing things that can lead to PTSD. We're addressing a lot of the factors that are out there that really compound that, whether it's quality of life thing for police officers and everything that everybody else goes through, paying your bills, keeping your um, house in order. 
um, you know, having a running car. I mean, all those things everybody else has to deal with, police officers have to deal with, and then they come to work and they have to deal with, you know, those tragic events that you mentioned. And so um, a lot of things that we're really um, focused on is making sure that our police officers are really um, best positioned to serve the residents of Mount Lebanon. And able to, in order to do that, we really focus on a, on a wellness program that's holistic in nature. And that includes whether it's financial management or whether it includes uh, spiritual counseling or anything in between. So it's something that we really focus on. Uh, it's something that uh, I've lost a colleague to suicide, a very dear friend, uh, a number of years ago. Uh, and so it's something that is near and dear to me that really uh, I've seen the effects of it when you don't address it. And really, it's, um, you know, the rate of suicide in police officers is significantly higher than that in other professions. And so for that reason, it's really important that we address those things. So um, to answer your question, yes, it absolutely affects police officers. Uh, it affects us in a number of different ways. Uh, those of us who have been doing it a long time really recognize that. And that's the first step in it and understanding it and sort of working through that. So um, for sure, it's one of those things that we're trained to deal with it. However, it, uh, it absolutely affects everybody. Yeah, I'm sorry for your loss. And I'm really thankful that you guys are taking care of those types of situations now. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think that's, uh, that's really important to hear. Because um, I know I think we forget oftentimes that you guys aren't these super robots that, <laughs> that serve the community. You guys are people just like us. So I can't even imagine you know, going through what you guys have to go through. Um, and especially with somebody in that career for 20 years, that's a lot of just built up pain and trauma from those incidents that I can't even imagine. Yeah, it can, it can be a lot for sure. And it's something that, you know, again, we have become more aware and more really uh, put the emphasis on having that, having officers be aware of, them, of the, what they're going through and when to step back if they need to. And we go through a lot of different training. And one of the things that we've done is it's, um, it's a new initiative called Active Bystandership for Law Enforcement or ABLE training. And that's really where you can sort of check yourself out or have another officer sort of check yourself uh, during a situation or during an incident and, and also after. And so it's something that just an awareness and it's sort of a paradigm shift in our industry. So it's something we're very happy about participating in for those reasons. So if everybody feels themselves sort of getting in the red, as we call it, that they can take a step back and really reassess what they're doing or have somebody else handle it. So it's, uh, it is something that we are more and more aware of every day and something that is very, very important in order for us to give the best service to the community. Yes, as somebody who wants to go into first response, specifically on the medical field, um, and has a sister that has been working as a paramedic for a long time, um, yeah, people don't really understand how traumatic that line of work is, and I think it's extremely important that we kind of almost handle those types of people with care because mm -hmm. they do things that most people in the community wouldn't be able to handle on a daily mm -hmm. basis. Yeah, thank you. We, we appreciate that and recognizing that. Absolutely. I would like to pause and thank St. Clair Health for their generosity in sponsoring the second season of Teens Tap In. At St. Clair Health, we're always improving, building on our commitment to face the challenges of today, making an impact on the communities we serve so we can be stronger together. 
by creating reliable resources that recognize all of our neighbors with access to the highest quality healthcare, advanced care close to home, and a shared humanity that delivers on our joint vision to create a healthier community for all. St. Clair Health, expert care from people who care. I know with the extent of some level of fear most people have of police officers, there can be some hatred as well. Um, a lot of the time, I think police officers are really misunderstood. You know, sure, nobody wants a ticket for speeding, but sometimes we don't realize how much danger we were in uh, until we're holding that ticket in our hands. Um, with that being said, I can see the same thing about, I can say the same thing rather about uh, substance abuse. So I, I have a distant family member who is a recovering addict. Um, he's an alcoholic. So I've been with my seen with my own eyes, um, you know, how bad addiction really is and really can be. I also know that there is a pretty big substance abuse issue in my own generation with uh, nicotine and vaping products. Mm -hmm. um, would you say addiction is a big issue amongst teens? And how would you go about uh, getting somebody to stop vaping? Well, I, I do think it's a big issue. I think it's probably one of the biggest issues we face with our teens, uh, that and social media and really the, the influence of social media, you know, could probably be tied together uh, and symbiotic in a lot of ways. Um, going about it is, is a, it's a definitely a group effort. You know, it's got to be addressed from a school problem, from the home, as well as from our perspective in public safety. And so it's got to be access to those things have to be looked at and how kids and teens are getting these things. It's got to be looked at in terms of why somebody would turn to vaping and feel like they need to solve their problems that way. And that's really, you know, the root cause analysis that really has to be examined. Again, the wonderful work that the folks at Outreach do really lean, lends itself to that. And that's really something we're very fortunate to have, you know, um, Outreach really is a model for communities and should be. Um, it's a partnership that was started with the police department a number of years ago before shared partnerships were cool, as, as we like to say. <laughs> and so, you know, outreach, if, if you don't know the history, was started as a uh, after-school truancy program uh, by Chief Verilman, uh, former chief of police in, from Mount Lebanon, and uh, an outreach at the time, th those involved, and community leaders to have a after-school program. And it sort of has morphed from there into what you all have made it. So it's a tremendous success story for those reasons. And so uh, kids and teens have a place to turn to. They have a place to go for help. They have counselors they can speak with. It's really a tremendous asset for us as a police department to be able to send teens and say, hey, you know, there's people you can talk to and hey, they're right down the street, by the way, or they're right here. And so having the relationship really has been uh, something that we, we hold in high regard and we utilize all the time. So, you know, to your question, I really think it is a holistic approach. And I think it's a model on how you approach it. So, you know, the schools are always very active and making sure they identify sort of those individuals who may have issues. And so we work with our school resource officer and the school district and really identifying those individuals to help get them into the program. So I think it's definitely a, a group effort and it's got to be a team approach in order to solve these problems. But I think the amount of money that teens are spending on this and the really the amount of um, uh, really dependency teens are having on vaping is just really a, a, 
quite the problem and it's probably going to be, you know, looked at in a couple of years as more significant than we even think it is now. Yeah, I think it's a really, really, really big issue firsthand from somebody who spent four years in high school. I go to South Fayette. Um, it's not nearly an issue at South Fayette. We're very good about preventing it as it is in some other places. And I, I can see firsthand what those things do to people. And mm-hmm. it is scary. And I think to myself, you know, later down in your life, are you willing to sacrifice your own health for the peer pressure that you're going through right now to pick up that device and vape it. And it's so hard to prevent. I mean, all the schools are trying their best to crack down on it and they're doing everything they possibly can. And it is still a big issue. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it does have to do with social media and a lot of it has to do with peer pressure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame. I really, you know, we talk about it all the time. You know, we really feel for teenagers and teens today because of the, the pressures that exist, you know, and, and really the expectations are unrealistic that social media puts on, on teens. And it, it's really um, unsustainable, if you ask me. And at some point, something got to change in terms of how that's approached or how the, the issue of vaping really is, is available. So now it's definitely um, something that we all have to look at. And I, I can say that, you know, without a doubt, um, it's really important that, you know, we do programs with our younger kids, you know, with the elementary school kids about vaping and the results of it, you know, consequences aren't really looked at until you get older, you know, that's the unfortunate part. Um, when you're young, you don't think about those things that you mentioned, you know, where, hey, you feel like it's going to affect your health down the road, but what you know, we wish we could all, as adults and as folks who have been through those things, recognize that we wish we could tell young people that really it's important to take care of your body. It's important to take care of yourselves. And you'll get through this and you'll get to the other side of it. And whatever you do, you want to have, be healthy and be able to enjoy things. So that's very important. Lastly, this podcast would not be possible without the support of St. Clair Health. Please listen in to the following ad. At St. Clair Health, we're always improving, building on our commitment to face the challenges of today, making an impact on the communities we serve so we can be stronger together. St. Clair Health, expert care from people who care. So I have one last question. What are you hoping to promote in the community you serve? Well, interestingly enough, uh, a big initiative we have is a mental health co-response program. So um, there's a lot of things right now we're going through in law enforcement and how we change our approach, you know, whether it's compliance um, on traffic offenses where maybe we might go and put it out on social media and then really emphasize a informational campaign for an intersection that maybe is excessive speeding or we have reports of excessive speeding. And then we might ticket that location or put a presence in that location and inform the public. So it's really an inform and educate approach and then to receive compliance as opposed to before we were really into um, the emphasis was on enforcement. And so we've sort of changed over the last number of years to sort of make that our emphasis. And with that, in the next level of really implementation that we're trying to do in general at the police department is a co-response program for mental health and consumers of mental health. So we encounter consumers of mental health services and we really have no resources as a police department to serve these individuals. They're vastly underserved as you all 
know, significantly in terms of the amount of resources that are out there. And so one of the big initiatives we have now is to, in addition to the internal wellness component of our police officers, is really the external wellness component of the community and how we can best serve those individuals. So we're trying to put together a pilot program right now, really in conjunction with outreach and a number of others, where we can serve the consumers of mental health services in a much better way. And the idea would be is to coordinate that care uh, during and after an incident and really be pre-crisis. So what we're trying to do is prevent crisis. We're trying to prevent the individual who the consumer mental health services from getting to that point. So we wanna make sure that the care is coordinated so they can go and get what they need and we can be there to, to assist where needed and where appropriate. But really, you know, what we found uh, over a number of calls that we go to is police officers really aren't the most appropriate individuals to handle every type of call. And so the types of calls we've identified that really can be uh, handled by individuals with different types of training really would be a better fit. And so that's the idea behind it. And we're a big believer in it. We believe that that coordination of care is really sort of that missing piece that we've missed for a number of years. And we think if we can implement that piece, then we could prevent a number of individuals from going into crisis and really reduce that, uh, you know, sort of a harm reduction strategy as well. And so it really would uh, would help us out and help the community out. That's wonderful. Um, just one last question for you. Yeah, no Are there any community resources you'd like to highlight here? Well, I mean, obviously, outreach is something we lean on in terms of teens or adults. What, um, just in general? Teens. Yeah. So I think teen, teens who really are struggling right now really have um, – an unbelievably great opportunity to reach out to resources in Mount Lebanon and surrounding communities, really, but specifically here. What's important to know is that services are not financially burdensome to anybody here. And the really important part is they're available. So whether it's you call or reach out to a counselor or reach out to a friend, I think the biggest advice I can give anybody is, regardless of what kind of professional help you can get to, it's important to talk to somebody. And I think the first step in that is we all know professional help is really hard to schedule sometimes, even as great of the service that Outreach provides, it's just the level of um, really employees that exist for this type of work. I mean, it really is yeoman's work in terms of what the counselors do. And so it's hard to recruit a number of counselors, but the point is there's a number of opportunities you have between here and there to get help and talk to people. So talk to a grown up, find a trusted friend, uh, talk to somebody. You know, um, I think that something that I've always found is really, really important for even as an adult is just tell somebody. And then once you start that conversation, then a lot of people are willing to help. You know, I think that what people forget is they don't want to ask for help, but there's a lot of people that are willing to help. And once you do and you start that sort of conversation and get that ball rolling, you'll get a whole lot of people that will jump up and, and want to help you. And while it may not feel like it at the time, what's really important is those people are out there and really you've just got to start that conversation with somebody who may not be in that situation with you or somebody outside of, of that circle and really reach out to them. And that's really, I think, what would benefit uh, a number of individuals going through 
any any litany of types of problems. Yeah, and I just want to quickly add, if you are in an immediate crisis, you can always call 988 seven days a week, 24-7, 24 hours a day. <laughs> or you can visit your local ER. Thank you, Mr. Haberman, so much for coming on the podcast with us today. Thank you for all our listeners' support. None of it would be possible without outreach to Human Family Services. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Views and opinions expressed in the Teens Tap In podcast represent the opinions of the hosts and their guests. The views and opinions expressed by Outreach Teen and Family Services employees, donors, and volunteers are their own and do not necessarily reflect the view of Outreach Teen and Family Services or the show's sponsors. The content here should not be taken as counseling advice. The content here is for informational purposes only and because each person is unique Please consult your mental health provider or physician for any mental health counseling or other medical questions. The podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including, but not limited to, establishing a standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast. If you find any error in any of the content of the podcast, please contact us at podcasts at outreachteen.org. Outreach Teen and Family Services, its sponsors, donors, and partners expressly disclaim any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages whatsoever arising out of any individual's use of, reference to, reliance on, or inability to use this podcast or the information presented in this podcast. Please go to www.outreachteen.org to see the complete notice and disclaimer for the podcast episodes.